Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Support for this episode comes from user testing. Reading minds is hard. Good news is you don't have to. Remove the guesswork by including direct customer feedback using user testing at each stage of the product development process. Companies need to move quickly to build experiences that meet changing customer expectations, all while minimizing risk and costly rework. With user testing, you can get rapid feedback from your target audiences so that you can make higher confidence decisions earlier and faster. Design, develop, deliver, and optimize products and experiences with confidence and less risk. Start your free test today at usertesting.com slash Vox. Welcome to Switched on Pop. I'm Charlie Harding. And I'm Nate Sloan. Grab your cowboy boots and your pedal steel guitar, because today we're going country. We're lucky to be joined today by Andrew Morantz. He's an editor at The New Yorker and appears on shows like Radiolab. Andrew, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. So, Andrew, you recently wrote a wonderful article on Casey Musgraves, an artist who's very dear to our heart. She appeared in our very first episode about heartbreak. And we see that Casey is between two different audiences that she's serving. On one hand, the traditional country fans and on the other, disaffected millennials. I think Nate and I might fall a little bit more into the second bunch. Along the way, she has managed to upset some people. And today we're going to explore whether or not it's possible to criticize the values the country is founded on while being a country star at the same time. Uh, so let's get into it and see what is so stirring and contradictory about her music. Damned if you do and you're damned if you don't, so So to just jump right in, Andrew, what piqued your interest? Why Casey Musgraves? Why this article? I've been a, a fan of hers for a while. Us too. Yeah. As you said, I think uh, her first album was strikingly good. And then I was really excited for her second album. And I was, frankly, a little disappointed in it. And I, so the impetus for the piece was, was I mean, it was a tricky one, right? Because on the one hand, for anyone who is like going to hear about Casey Musgraves, you want to be sort of evangelical and be like, she's awesome. You should, you should listen to all her stuff. Right. On the other hand, for, for people who are more familiar or who are going to get more familiar with her, you want to raise the, the problems with this second album and how it sort of stacks up slightly poorly against the first. So it was sort of a, a tricky thing. And I, I basically felt like the problem of being someone who is perceptive and critical in a world that doesn't really want to hear criticism or doesn't want to reward it financially and it kind of made me feel like like basically i wanted to take casey by the shoulders and say 
Philip Roth would not be proud of you right now. <laughs> Originally, it was going to be a piece about um, Philip Roth's whole um, essay writing about Jews and his whole problem of portraying your own community badly in the public eye and how an author or a musician or an artist has to basically transcend sort of like take on sort of sociopathic approaches to like burning bridges and stuff. The piece softened a little bit as I wrote it. (laughs) As perhaps Casey Musgraves has as well. (laughs) Exactly. You write really beautifully about one of the standout tracks on her first album, uh, Merry Go Round, which takes the unusual tack of criticizing small town life rather than celebrating it. What, what about this, this track really stood out to you? I guess the most basic thing is it felt authentic. You know, it felt like something she had been waiting a long time to say. Same hurt in every heart Same trailer, different park Mama's hooked on Mary Kay Brother's hooked on Mary Jane And Daddy's hooked on Mary two doors down Mary, Mary, quack and schwerry We get bored so we get married Just like dust we settle beautiful yeah it really is yeah it's awesome and then i don't think that being trenchant and cutting and and negative is is preferable to being sunny or positive or or, or anything like that i just think it felt truer than the other stuff which which felt a little more in the groove of stuff that people had said before and and because i think it was truer that the writing just seemed more inspired to me yeah and an example of a lyric from that song well it starts if you ain't got two kids by 21 you're probably going to die alone at least that's what tradition told you and it don't matter if you don't believe come sunday morning you best be there in the front row like you're supposed to same hurt in every heart same trailer, different park. Even the little touches where you think like it's a little over the line, like she hits the word Mary really hard and like playing on like Mary with an E and Mary with a capital M-A. But she just does it in this clever, controlled way. And then she she does these phrases that I think I, I said something like, it sounds like a cliche, but you then you realize you've never actually heard it before, which is kind of the whole trick of pop writing. You know, just like dust, we settle in this town. That's a brilliant phrase. And like that, that kind of phrase, I don't think comes to you as much if you are writing less uh, truthfully. Yeah, you could you could contrast merry-go-round with uh, a country song like I heard this Jason Michael Carroll song on the radio recently, and the the chorus goes, I'm from the front pew of a wooden white church, a courthouse clock that still don't work, where man's word means everything, where moms and dads were high school flames and gave their children grandmothers maiden name. Yes, it may not sound like much, but it's where I'm from. I said I'm from the front pew of a wooden white church, a courthouse clock that still don't work. Where a man's word means everything Where moms and dads were high school flames And gave their children grandmothers maiden name Yes, it may not sound like much
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. know that one. It's it kind of feels like someone writing a screenplay about the mafia or about cops, and they've never actually like seen a cop, and they're just doing a carbon copy of a carbon copy of a something. Not to say that that country stars aren't actually from small towns that don't actually have wooden pews or whatever. Right. Not that not that that's not their real experience. It just it feels like they're doing a copy of the the platonic ideal of what they feel like they should be saying. I don't want it to be that, you know, Casey's only cool because she's like taking a crap on small town life. Like there there's there it, there, it is totally <laughs> possible to be a a booster of small town life. I mean the 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 piece I wrote talks about Loretta Lynn a lot, you know, Loretta Lynn and Dolly Parton and Willie Nelson, you know, are geniuses and they did a lot of uh of, you know, boosterism of of small town life. It's just they did it in a more interesting specific way. Well, I- In a cabin on a hill in Butcher Holler We were poor but we had love That's the one thing that daddy made sure of He shoveled coal to make a poor man's dollar I think you're absolutely right that we don't want to pigeonhole Casey Musgraves into she's just great at being transgressive because she's also a really great songwriter and just she writes just simply great country songs and I particularly love this moment in merry-go-round where she sings this this line same hurt in every heart and this song is in a major key but when she sings that line Mm -hmm. she goes to this flat six chord which is uh, a chord that you're only going to find in a minor key. And it, it has this sort of sense of nostalgia shifting from the major tonality into that minor tonality. And I think it's just a, a perfect moment of marrying the words to the music. Same hurt in every heart. I also really like how she does this. She's talking about a merry-go-round, and the whole song has this sense of perpetual motion. It just keeps going around and around and around, never stopping. And she does that really artfully by having this constant banjo roll in the background. And then this, this snare drum and cut time, just moving along, moving along, moving along. And the chorus almost feels like it's never going to end. It has all these sort of false resolutions. And when it even does finally resolve, it just like moves right directly into the verse. And so she's doing all these things from uh, marrying her chords to her lyrics, choosing the right instrumentation, and, 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 move, and pacing the song just like any great songwriter would do. Totally. I mean, even the central image of the song seems like a fun childhood toy. And then it becomes this like claustrophobic, oh, I can never get off kind of terror. It's like, it, it, it really seems like a song that she spent like years perfecting. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and then from there, the momentum kind of carries her through the rest of the album. I mean, that's track three. And then every song after that kind of has a, like a tinge of complexity or weirdness. I mean, to varying degrees, but even songs later in that album that are just kind of, you think it's going to be a kind of classic breakup song. There's something kind of transgressive about it. I mean, the last song on the album 
is about a breakup, but then it's actually about kind of like having casual sex with your ex when you know you're not supposed to. And like, which is again, like a very transgressive country music <laughs> topic. So I think she just, once she broke that open on Merry Go Round, it feels like she just kind of was like, all right, I'm just going for it. We between your two favorite teams and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip off and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your life sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Support for this episode comes from user testing. Reading minds is hard. Good news is you don't have to. Remove the guesswork by including direct customer feedback using user testing at each stage of the product development process. Companies need to move quickly to build experiences that meet changing customer expectations, all while minimizing risk and costly rework. With user testing, you can get rapid feedback from your target audiences so that you can make higher confidence decisions earlier and faster. Design, develop, deliver, and optimize products and experiences with confidence and less risk. Start your free test today at usertesting.com slash vox. We keep talking about her being transgressive. Yet to be transgressive, you have to understand the language which you are criticizing. And something that I find about both of her albums, actually, is that they're really grounded almost in an, a more old school country sound. Yeah. Right. So a lot more of the acoustic instruments, a lot less heavy drumming, heavy bass, more of your banjo, mandolin, light acoustic guitar. Yeah. And so on, on one level, it feels like we're going to an older style of country. You mentioned Loretta Lynn. And yet you also say she's managed to upset country fan conservatives and I think in your piece, you you quote her saying that she's been apologizing for a lot of this stuff ever since. So what has she done to upset these country fan conservatives? She, ironically, you know, she is known as this boundary pusher, this, oh, you know, the country star who, you know, is beloved by the latte sipping set. Like people like us again? (laughs) Yes, correct. Um, or, Or is willing to, you know, get behind gay rights or whatever. Which is is true. I mean, it's sort of a sad state of affairs that that's notable, but she actually is much more of a traditionalist than she gets credit for. And she's much more of a traditionalist than most of her peers on the country charts. And she is going out of her way to show everybody that. It actually kind of reminds me of a few years ago when Nicki Minaj was... uh, her authenticity was challenged and, you know, she was going too far in this, in this bubblegum pop direction. And she just spent the next year just like 
wearing black t-shirts and rapping really hard. <laughs> that reminds me of what Casey's been doing recently, which is like, no more sort of like going into these weird dark corners. Like I'm just going to wear a neckerchief and play an, an acoustic guitar and like remind everyone of Dolly Parton. And, right. but at the same time, I think her project is a little more complex than, than, than that because she's also trying to remind people like, not only am I traditional, but traditional country music has always had this dark streak in it and not just dark, but self-critical. And I think the, the biggest signal that she's doing that is the, is the hidden track on her new album, um, which is the only cover on the new album. It's a Willie Nelson cover, which she sings as a duet with Willie Nelson. And it's called Are You Sure? And it is actually a very Casey Musgraves-ish song. It's very critical of being stuck in a small town and saying, are you sure this is where you want to be? Are you sure this is where you want to end up with your life? Look around you, look down the bar from you, at the faces that you see. Are you sure this is where you want to be? So look around you and take a good look. And all the local used to be Are you sure that this is where you want to be? I think her point in making that her cover is hey, this, this sort of strain of country music has always existed. You know, don't blame me. I didn't invent it. On the other hand, it's a little bit of a cop-out because that's the only song on the album that's at all critical of, <laughs> of Small Town Life, and it's the only one on the, on the album that she didn't write. That's fascinating. I, I actually didn't hear that one. Yeah, it's a great... It's like, I mean, Willie Nelson is maybe the best country songwriter alive, and he... Uh, it's, it's sort of a, a, a B-side of his. Huh. And it's just really interesting that you know, she met him and there's this whole story about how they basically like smoke weed together and like decided to do a duet. <laughs> but the fact that she chose that one as the duet is, is very clearly yeah. a, a intentional. So moving to this new record pageant material, which was released, I think a month or so ago, this you're saying this, are you sure stands out in the context of this record, which, which otherwise is more in the sort of booster small town country vein that you were describing. Yeah. I mean, you could almost go like song for song and, and see the sanitation uh, happening. Like, <laughs> so for instance, we talked about how the last song of the first album is this transgressive breakup track. The last, the last track of the second album is just a breakup track. I mean, it's a beautiful wistful song, but it's not, there's nothing off kilter about it right all the uh all the songs about small town life are like gee isn't it swell to be from a small town and like there's a couple of moments of discord um but they all get resolved and look i'm not being totally fair to her because in the context of country music it actually does take courage to be full-throatedly in in favor of gay rights to be like dropping references to pot smoking to be talking about misogyny like I'm not trying to take those things away from her, but they are 
in in the grand scheme of things, pretty safe political positions in the larger country to take. Like not not country music, but like the country that we live in. It's like little little uh, needling pushes, but it's it's not as like dark and weird and dystopian as the first album by any by any means. Yeah, a song like Dime Store Cowgirl from the new album. It's more generically country, I guess. I had my picture made with Willie Nelson Stayed in a hotel with a pool Driven through New Mexico with a saguaro cactus grow And I felt really small under Mount Rushmore And I made it all the way past Austin city limits And maybe for a minute I got too big for my britches but I'm just a dime store cowgirl That's all I'm ever gonna be You can take me out of the country But you can't take the country out of me No, cause I'm still the girl from Golden Had to get away so I could go and, and that was the one that really felt like an apology to me huh. Right, where she says, uh, you can take me out of the country, but you can't take the country out of me. Yeah, maybe for a minute I got too big for my britches, <laughs> but uh, but don't worry, I'm still the girl. I'm still the girl from Golden, Texas. It's like, yeah. uh, I mean, like I understand what she's doing because authenticity and connecting to your audience is so important. And, and it's almost more important now than ever because, the, you know, the industry is fragmenting and you can kind of only you only really have super fans now, like people who will come to your shows and buy your albums are going to make or break your, your ability to make a living. So like, I understand pandering to those people, but it it just, it it felt a little bit on the nose. I I'm going to jump in and say that Mm -hmm. I think the real offender on the album is pageant material. Mm. And and you, you had earlier said that, that a lot, that a lot of this album kind of sounds focus grouped as if she was running for office, as if she's appealing to only those super fans, as you were saying, and this song for me is such an offender because it it really just references country without any sort of the, I find, any of the creative songwriting tactics that she uses. So you have in pageant material this like very typical Johnny Cash 1515 guitar line. They're like, you know that sound? I pageant material. I mean, look, again, to be fair to her, she has this line about I'm always higher than my hair, which is kind of cool. It's like, you know, get a little, (laughs) you know, weed reference in there, you know, more power to her. And like, uh, yeah, beauty pageants are stupid. And like, it's good that we have young, beautiful pop stars who are lashing out against that culture in some way. I just think the true like version of Casey Musgraves that's like at home writing in her diary about beauty pageants is way more cutting than she is on this song.
before we go, Andrew, we thought we would just ask if you have any favorite Casey Musgraves lyrics. Probably since we've been beating up on this second album, I, I, I do have to sort of take my hat off to this sec- second album in terms of lyrics. I think Late to the Party, yes. top to bottom, has great lyrics. And I also love this one line from the Family is Family song. Uh, they own too much wicker and drink too much liquor. You'd wash your hands of them, but blood's always thicker. That's a good line. That is a great line. <laughs> yeah, that's real nice. <laughs> yeah. All right. So hats off to Casey, no matter what she does. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for joining us. Really loved your your piece, Casey Musgraves, Harper Lee, and the Hometown Dilemma. We'll make sure to link to it on our website. Uh, and thank you, everybody, for listening. You can find more episodes of Switched on Pop at uh, www.switchedonpop.com on SoundCloud or on the iTunes podcast app. Thanks again, Andrew. Thanks a lot, guys. As always, I'm Nate Sloan. And I'm Charlie Harding. Thanks for listening. What's that? (laughs) Shit. (laughs) I swear we've done this like 17 times. Um, Thanks for listening. It's I just want to make a quick plug for some non-switched-on-pop-related news, which is that my two-man Gorilla Vaudeville act, The Gideon and Hubcap Show, will be performing at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in Scotland from August 5th to August 23rd. If you happen to find yourself in that great nation, you should definitely come check us out. You can find more info at www.gideonandhubcap.com. your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap because you're an american express platinum guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through amex travel which means a 4 p.m checkout and those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the centurion lounge just a splash before you board the plane back to reality that's the powerful backing of american express See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Support for this episode comes from user testing. Reading minds is hard. Good news is you don't have to. Remove the guesswork by including direct customer feedback using user testing at each stage of the product development process. Companies need to move quickly to build experiences that meet changing customer expectations, all while minimizing risk and costly rework. With user testing, you can get rapid feedback from your target audiences so that you can make higher confidence decisions earlier and faster. Design, develop, deliver, and optimize products and experiences with confidence and less risk. Start your free test today at usertesting.com slash vox.